When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppen Frackers. Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the world's most anticipated, most listened, most loved LFC podcast. It is of course Cop and Fracker, brought to you by the Touchline Media Group. I'm your host this week, Chris, and joining me today, I have some of the OGs of the pod, some of the best people I like to pod with, and it's going to be quite a good one because I've not podded with them for a while, so we need to see if the camera is still there. Hopefully we're not putting up performances like the Lakers, bricking shots and just having the whole thing sound like an AR-15. So to kick that off, I'm going to welcome the first person onto the pod. You may know him as the LeBron James of Courtside Fracas, which is, of course, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please give a warm welcome to Brother Harold. Harold, how are you doing today, sir? I'm well, brother. I'm well. Um, you know what? I was in such a good mood on, until I started speaking uh, to Mike and Ellis today. Um I just want you to. I just want you guys to know. Um, keep your friends close, but keep your friends who have patchy beards even closer. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. Good to be here, Krish. <laughs> it's good to have you here, brother. And um, we'll go to the patchy one himself, Mike. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> the patchy. <laughs> You can already tell what the vibes are going to be like for this part. Do, We're do all in good mood. Do you know the what? The fans are flowing. So, so Harold got a patchy joking yesterday, right? And I have been pamming this guy for about two years about being bold. So, I'll t- you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair Boy, enough. Fair got enough one shot after like three years. I know he's been, he's been thinking, what can I get this guy? Where can I get this guy? And you find it's, not, it's not even true. It's like <laughs> normally I just normally I just stay quiet because in person, when you and I go to games, you're like, Oh Harold, how are you today? Oh God. yeah, and you're all come with the battle, bro. Come you're on. All, you're all you're all happy, go lucky. Oh yes, Harold, yes, oh friend. But, but over WhatsApp, we're like, oh boldy, boldy. I'm like, okay, say like next game, we'll do the same thing again. Hey Harold, <laughs> friends, something like Kante. Your head, man. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> Guys, this all started right because I said the glory of God was shining on his bald head. Can you imagine? You know, just a bit of banter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all love, man. I love Harold, man. I love the guy. 
I love the guy. <laughs> oh my word! Um, <laughs> but but as we get delved into this podcast, what has been a fantastic week for all things of football book club. If you want more of that good stuff from just three pounds per month, not per week, not per day, per month, small small change, small change, and you know it, it shouldn't be hurting you wallet. Do go over to the Cop and Frackers Patreon page and subscribe today. You'll get all sorts of fantastic bonus content. I believe we've got around about nearly 200 pieces backdated over the course of two years now on the Cop and Frackers Patreon page, focusing on all things from transfers, post-match, pre-match, you name it, we've got it on there. So do head over to the Patreon page today and subscribe from just £3 per month. That is www.patreon.com forward slash Cop and Frackers, and the link will be in the bio to this pod. Like I touched on earlier on, it has been a fantastic week for all things Liverpool Football Club. And it's possibly going to be the biggest 48 hours of your lives and, of course, Liverpool season. And Harold, I'm going to come to you straight off the bat, man. We're going to go straight off to you. ISO scoring right in the post, man. We're going to, going to get you on there. The mismatch is up. I personally didn't... I cannot watch Manchester City matches myself. I spent the entire of yesterday watching Billions... Um, I'm watching the new Lakers show on HBO. Fantastic stuff. God bless Dr. Jerry Buss. Um, and the player hated that actually was Magic Johnson. I was quite surprised. Um, <laughs> because you just know what's coming. You know the inevitable. You know somehow, some way, something dodgy is going to happen. You're going to be left sitting there thinking, what the hell did I just see? What the hell is going on? But yesterday you know, evening was not that evening. Yeah, do you know, Man, Man City are quite a... F- Funny team. Um, they've dropped points to three teams this season, twice: Southampton, Spurs, and Palace. We saw yesterday. Um, they just dropped. They dropped. They dropped points to the same teams. Like more often than not, the same teams each year. Um, particularly Palace and Spurs. They seem to be their bogey teams. Even Roy Hodgson's Palace, mind you, who were like bordering on an average age of about thirty-three or thirty-four years old. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe they've just got their bogey teams. Um, I watched the game. Uh, Man City should have scored. <laughs> um, no doubt about it. Um, but I have to give I have to give Palace some credit. Um, credit where it's due. Gator doesn't fill me with any sort of confidence whatsoever. But someone who does is Mark Gahey. I think he's a fantastic defender. He was defending with his life on the line. Shout out um, Tarek um, Mitchell was well left back. He was brilliant. Playing... Um, Playing in spite, it was it was it was doing it basically doing the opposite of what Nathaniel Klein was doing. Um, Palace rode their luck. I think you're always going to have to. I think you're always going to ride your luck, ride your luck with um, with City. But there was an interesting stat that came up in that game, and it was uh, City have failed to score a goal five times this year. And when you look at their numbers, because obviously they've got a goal difference of what plus sixty, we've got plus sixty three. Those are those are ridiculous numbers for this stage of the season, right? They've they've failed to score on five occasions. We failed to score only once this season. I've I've I've, I've for some reason I can't remember the game where, where where we failed to score. Um, but five times, and obviously there's a lot being made about their lack of striker. And then Pep didn't make any subs. It was just a weird game because it looked like they created enough chances to score. They got very close. They hit, they hit the woodwork a few times. They did enough to score. However, certain players who they normally rely on just weren't very good. Palace were resolute, and in all, in all honesty. Palace could have a shout for for um, almost sticking one right, right at the end there. Yeah, I mean, what one of the big things you've touched on there is is kind of Man City 
creating these chances. So they do have these two big chances to score, and ultimately they they, they don't convert. And Mike, I'm going to come to you next in in terms of kind of looking at Man City and looking at Man City's under underlying numbers. There's been a running theme since what would you say about early Feb, potentially back end of January, where the quality of chance that Manchester City are creating in relative to what they do in the rest of the season has been lower than what we've seen. Do you think that old thing, you know, coming from this season of not having that proper number nine to kind of finish off these chances when they're getting in these good areas is coming back to haunt them? Or do you just think it's just a natural regression throughout uh, this period of the year? Yeah, I think I said at the start of the season that City will oscillate between like beating teams 5-0 and then like being really, really frustrating and struggling to break teams down. And I think actually there's not they're not there's not creating like high quality chances. Their online numbers are really, really poor. Um and yeah, I think obviously having a clinical kind of a focal point, if you like, or kind of a player that they can rely on for goals would help. And I think Gary Neville always makes a point when you look at kind of City's front five players, so like Mares, um Sterling, Foden, who else have they got? Gabriel Jesus. There's not really a reliable finisher in that kind of cohort of forwards. They're all good players in their own right. They all do like they have like good attributes in terms of forward players. But they aren't like none of them are absolute killers. Whereas we have like Diaz, who will be a killer, absolutely will be a killer at some point. We just what he's about. We know what Mane's about. Um, Salah, obviously, the best in the world at the moment, probably him and Mbappe. So we have you know four or five players you can look at, and, and, and you're almost looking at one in two players, all of them. So I do think that is something that is really, it's hurting to see at the moment. And I just think in those, in those really tight games like yesterday, they haven't got that one player they can turn to and just be like, he can dig us out of this. Like he can just like produce a moment in front of goal and just get us out of this. Um, but it's funny because like we people are talking about City almost in like crisis mode. Um, but when I looked at their form earlier this season, uh, earlier this um, as sort of preparing for this podcast, um, they won six games, drawn two, and lost one in the last nine. Like that should not be crisis mode. That should not be causing any panic. But they know what they're up against, and they're up against a team that are so resilient, and also a team that have won eight games in a row. I think the RBR's team momentum shifted a bit. So I, it reminds me a bit of 18-19 where we were going into the game in the Etihad. Um, and we could have won, if we won that game, we would have won 10 points clear. And that probably would have been like a gap that's almost insurmountable for City. Um, but we lost the game, we went to four points. And after that, we started dropping points. And City game momentum in 16 of the last 17 games. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening now where the momentum shifting in our favour. We're on a mad, mad run. And I... Listen, Marco was doing some mad things in the group chat. His maths was 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 crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I don't think City will drop points in five games, but I do think we are in a period now where Liverpool like look like the form team, like the team that have all the momentum. And City, like even though they're at top, the top at the moment, they are the team that are kind of chasing in a really weird psychological way. I feel like we have the edge now. And we can really push on. Also, can I, can I just add, City only have themselves to blame. Like this, yeah. the team they're up against is a team of their own making. Like if it would be okay to, in the, I, I can't remember the, the form guide that, that you just said uh, there, Mike. I think it was six wins, two draws, and a loss. In a normal season, that's that's completely calm. The only reason why it's not calm is because they went on, they they went they went they went on and did what they did in seventeen eighteen with hundred points, ninety eight points in eighteen nineteen. Fell off obviously in 1920 when we won the league, but last season again, it's only a team of their own making, so it's only their own standards they have to upkeep. And I do think it's a massive piece of complacency in choosing to invest in a left winger in Jack, Jack Greenis as opposed to investing in a striker and putting their money where their mouth. And I think when you come up against a team, like I said, of their own creation now, 
where we're so clinical and just literally no, nothing less. We draw and we're like, oh, season's over. We drew against we drew against Brighton. We're like, oh, bloody, oh, it's all over. This is their making. Like so now they, they anything anything below a win is 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 failure. So honestly, I'm just excited to see how it how it all pans out, man. Els, I'm going to come to you. And I mean, Harold's raised a really good point there. Cast your mind back to 2nd of January, where we draw 2-2 to Chelsea. I know you've been always resolute in your standing and your predictions of what Liverpool are going to do this season. But I think we can all kind of collectively agree that when the final whistle blew in that game and it was a draw, and it very much felt like everyone was out of touching distance, we were sitting there thinking, okay, cool, take the domestic cups a bit more seriously. We've got the semi-final, the semi-finals against Arsenal coming up. FA Cup's about to kick off in the next day of the Champions League. Take those competitions a bit more seriously because, in realistic terms, that points gap. Yeah, you can chip away at it to a degree, but getting it into a position where you need to strike, you need to be in the position like Randy Orton is for that RKO, is going to be just completely difficult to do. You look at it now, a win tomorrow. Technically, tonight when people listen to this pod, brings it to one point. Mm. It's... Talk about those contrasting emotions and yeah. just the, the inspiration this team and the journey they've gone from that point to now to just be a relentless machine. It's it's kind of mad when you think about it. From when, like you said, January second, we've dropped, uh, we've dropped two points to Chelsea. The reason why that Chelsea game was even a bit more bitter is because we was tuning up. Yeah. So if you're seeing, if you're dropping points and you, you, you're letting a 2-0 lead slip, you're thinking you haven't really got anything to try and catch Man City. Um, it was, after as time went on, it was telling that like Van Dyke come out and said that if you don't believe, then don't follow. Um, Salah was always one for it to say that, look, we're going to do everything to win it. So I think they believed in themselves that they can do something this season. Um, even though I, I, I was optimistic, like I wasn't I wasn't gonna concede because I knew what the team could do, I knew what the capable what the team was capable of. Oh bro, of. brother, I, I would never, you know, speak, you know I, I've never seen you concede anything. Yeah, no, I have to challenge that Ellis. Give me a percentage split of how much was just your your Nigerian pride not allowing you to concede, and how much of it was genuine belief that we could do it. No, give, give me a percentage. There is. It was like I'll say sixty percent because it was too early. It was December. Like people concede in December, bro. Right. It was too early. There was too many games to play, and obviously I get it. Man, how about after so... Chelsea, though? How about after Chelsea? Because that that was January the second. Uh, fifty nine percent. That's such a bad number. Fifty nine percent. Fair enough. Man. Fair enough. <laughs> Right, to be okay. Quiet, because okay, yeah, you know I'm saying, and because um, I knew what the team was capable because I've we've seen them at let's say like last season, back in the last season, they've gone ten games unbeaten, so we know they can put up that, that kind of mad run. So it, it, it was possible, um, but I, I think the belief in the team and the experience that they have now, I believe that they they think that they can do whatever, and they can get into that zone where they're just going to start winning every game. Um, I think Peter, Mike and I were speaking in a group last night about some of the games we're playing that we don't look fantastic, but me and Mike were begging to differ because 
it may not look like the Harlem Globetrotters, but we're getting it done. And no one really looks threatening against us. Do you know what I'm saying? So going back to your question, Chris, I think the belief was already there from, from the team. And now we can see that Man City's head's a bit kettled. It was a bit kettled, man. Who missed a chance yesterday? Someone missed a chance for Man City and Pep. His hands was just in his head, that bald head. Yeah, it was, just... it was the Bernardo one. And yeah, his, his, man. His head is the one that's the oh, most... That was his, crazy. His, his head oh, is on fam. Mars right now. When, yeah, Bernardo's head is gone. Like, no even asks him about Liverpool. Man asks him, like, what's the colour of the sky? Yeah, but Liverpool, they still need to come to a club. That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, I think they're, they're a bit rattled, man. It's just for Liverpool to just carry on winning. Just keep on winning your games. That's all you can do, really. I can imagine Bernardo to be one of those guys that gets caught cheating, yeah. But and when his missus kind of confronts it about him, he goes, "Yeah, but it's all Liverpool's fault, man. They're still going to come to the Etihad. We've got to do the business there. So you only think about it. It's all on them." <laughs> Have you not seen that video of that meme of the evil guy when he gets caught cheating, and he 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 blames the girl for not for not locking the door? That's Bernardo, really. Like it's all Liverpool's fault. Like yeah, Liverpool. Like I'm thinking. But bro, no one really asks you anything about Liverpool, and yeah, it's it's good, man. I I like it that they're rattled, and I think it's important for Liverpool just to keep on, just you know, playing their games. Uh, no one really talks. No one's really coming out talking about anything. They keep on asking about the quadruple, man. Just batter away. It's like whatever, man. Just a game at a time. And I think they've learned from like nineteen twenty, where they just they were every every question Henderson was asked is like yeah, one game at a time, one game at a time, and. Bro, it was mad. <laughs> it was mad because it was the one point that season would be like 21 points clear and Henderson's going, yeah, but you still got to put the points on the table, you know, and I'm just <laughs> <thinking, laughs> yeah. like, bro, bro, come on, man. He's a... got it wrapped up. Yeah. Honestly, it's fine. It's, it's, a good, it's, it's a good mentality to have, man. No, because, it is, um, it is. Honestly, you know it is. You don't get distracted, man. And I think we're in that zone now where, like, it's just, it's just win. Just win. Like, it's just that 1920 mentality of just win. And like Harold said, Man City created this monster because we didn't, they, they set the bar and said, okay, you need to get 90 plus points to win the league. So Klopp said, okay, 90 plus points, I'll make a 90 plus points team and, we, and we'll do it. And we've got I 90 bet. plus points twice. I bet, he said, it's and, it's, and he's done it. And, and again, this season, hopefully when we do win it, it'll be 90 plus points again. And this is all because, you know, Pep kind of pushed us there. So it is what it is. It's it's that rivalry that the pushes you want to do better. I mean, like you said earlier, Mike, when you're looking at Man City's form over the past few games, that's that. That is title-winning form in every single year you go for a Premier League season, bar you know the duel that these two Goliaths are going up against, seemingly year in year out. That's title-winning form, and it just shows like how razor thin you have to be, you know have to treat these these margins are and how you have to treat these games. And you know, like like we said, if it was nil nil against Brighton, you'd have to absolutely go for it in the last ten minutes. It's just absolutely insane that you can't drop points at any single point of the season. Um, I'm actually going to come back to you on this point, Mike, as well, because you look at that points gap that Man City had in January, and you know, I'm not going to say they switch into automatic mode where they kind of go, "Okay, this this thing will be a breeze." You know, we know what's going to happen at the end of the season. We're going to be champions. I know the mentality switch they have to do now, where Liverpool are right up their ass. The the gap has closed so much. Do you think that'll be a big barrier for them to kind of jump over? Because it's been a while since they've had to go back into that mode. Yeah, and I honestly do think we live like rent free in their head simply because they know that we can win 16, 17 games in the bounce. So 
much like we think and expect City to win every single one of their games, they expect us to win every single one of our games. And that can be like incredibly stressful. Like you're not even thinking they might drop points or oh, they could... you're expecting, okay, listen, anything can happen in football, but they're going to win. Like that's a mad thing to kind of be going up against week in, week out. And you know, like right now, Liverpool in a position now where they have like immense quality in depth. Like I personally wouldn't be against seeing Origi get 50 minutes in the game or 60 minutes in the game. Like, that's the quality of depth we have. Like we have so many players that aren't even getting a look in at the moment that could potentially start games and contribute and do well. And for City, I think there is something psychological here because I do think the way Pep Guardiola builds City and the way they, they kind of their season is structured is I think it's to win the league at a canter and have it sewn up by around March and then focus on the Champions League from April onwards. At Barcelona, that was always kind of the philosophy. I don't think they were engaged in too many kind of like back and forth title races with Real Madrid. I think often they, those games are competitive with Real Madrid, but they already kind of won the league. Um, and like they were really kind of far ahead. They haven't had, a, they're not going to have the luxury of a season. They're going to be in April, knowing that, that every game they played that month, FA Cup, Premier League, Champions League means everything. They have to get something against us. They have to get something in the next game after that. They have to, <laughs> the Kevin Keegan thing, they have to go there and get something. Like every single game, they have to go there and get something. I love and we're it. Keep them honest. That's what it's I all about. I love it. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So I, I honestly think they, they are psychologically cracking a bit. And Bernardo's interview yesterday, I thought was, I found it quite to be honest, because he wasn't asked about Liverpool. Liverpool were not mentioned at all. And he's he's talking about us. He knows what's going on. Even Pep the other day when he, he was interviewed after sporting. Yeah. And he was asked about who are your biggest threats. And he's talking about Liverpool. Liverpool, like <laughs> as well as I said, yeah. Well, once it's sorry, mate, sorry to cut you up. Because I, I was gonna raise that point as well. Like, I said, yeah. once he said Liverpool. I said, yeah, this guy's head is absolutely yeah. frying. Do you know what it is as well, L? They sense it, bro. I think we'd won like four or five games then and people were still saying City are going to win a league or at yeah, six points, yeah. blah, blah, And But like, he sensed it. He thought, fuck, they're going on one of those runs again, aren't they? They're yeah. doing it again. He's like, you start seeing the wins rack up, you're thinking, what's going on there? So he knows, they know what's going on. And they know that once we have momentum, we've done it 18-19, we did it 19-20. Once we put together like a, a series of runs, they know what's happens. They know. They know what's gonna happen in May. They already yeah, know. Man, I, and also, I they think they got know. a little bit. They got a little bit giddy because when did they beat Chelsea? Uh, that was top of Jan, innit? Yeah, it was like yeah. fourteen points clear or something mad. So that BT were like, "Oh yeah, it's done. It's wrapped up." Yeah, Jolly and Lescott. I, I remember in the group chat, I said, "Oh right, that's gonna rattle Liverpool." And man laughed at me in the group chat. I said, "All right." Because they were like, oh, what's Liverpool going to do? Like, oh, it was you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> okay. Liverpool, I mean, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> Fire was on your case back then a lot. So that, I said that. That, that, should, that should rattle Liverpool, in it? Because he's basically saying it's done. It's finished. Like, Liverpool going to wake up tomorrow morning and they're going to see that and uh, they're going to be whatever, whatever. So, but yeah. So, a lot of BT, everyone was like, pundits, like, oh, yeah, it's done. It's wrapped up. It's finished. And now here we are, a few months later, heads are kettled. Pep's, Pep's all... What was Pep saying to um, Crystal Palace's keeper yesterday? Like, right, he didn't let none of the shots in, no? All right, say nothing, Rubek. Like, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it, it's good to see that their heads are kettled and brother, Liverpool just going to keep on, you know, keep on moving, man. Yeah, I can imagine a few of the Liverpool players, you know, you know like that 50 Cent video with the Floyd Mayweather where he goes, I, I woke up, the computer said... Floyd said, fuck Guaida, fuck Crystal Palace, and fuck Liverpool. I'd say, why did you say fuck me for? I didn't drop the points. 
Also, also, did you see after the game? What what, what was Pep so irate about with um with, with Gator? Uh, what I'm saying, yeah, like you see that. Yeah. I, I, I think apparently, KDB it was something with KDB after the game. Maybe said something. I don't know. A bit weird. Someone, someone was like, oh, someone was like, Rah. Pep is angry that man didn't let any shots in. It's just literally I'm that. So Even Grealish, Grealish and Clean, no, Clean, Grealish and Klein were going at it. After the game, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were. I, 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 I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man. It was, it was a strange performance. Like honestly, heads it was are kettled, so, bro. Heads are kettled, man. They are because they had some good opportunities, but it only, honestly, the, the most damning fact is, was it nineteen shots? No, sorry, twenty nine shots, wasn't it, or something ridiculous yep. like yeah. that? Four they on hit target. Poles, they hit the bar. They were snatching up shots. There was a Come chance on, where um, Mares, Mares's touches probably the best in the league and it really let him down in a box and I was kind of surprised that that's when I knew yeah this is no I'm not gonna lie I didn't know it then but <laughs> I thought they're just gonna pound him. I thought that like, 87 minutes KDB I thought it's gonna get a goal I, I, yeah, I was surprised yeah, yeah like I were all in agreement that you know Pep's just somewhere right now probably like 20 Benson Energy's gold just like you know taking long drags thinking fuck I can't believe these Liverpool Fucking doing it again, just absolutely just going out of his mind thinking about you know what is hopefully to come. Um, I want to talk about Harold beat and run in a little bit more detail, so it obviously covers kind of the, the Brighton game as well. And Harold, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna come to you. What do you think have been some of the key drivers in kind of chipping away at this seemingly insurmountable lead? Because I feel like there's kind of so many different elements you can pick and choose from that kind of culminate in this. In what we're seeing now from this Liverpool run, but in your opinion, what do you think are kind of the main key factors um, to kind of stimulate in this run? For me, I think there's one key factor. If we're talking about our eight-game winning run, there's one. There's been one key fact. I think it's been. I think that's been defence. Out of those eight games, we've we've had six clean sheets, and and we've and oftentimes I, I won't even say oftentimes I can see West Ham we won by one goal. Um, I can see Burnley. We won by one goal. Um, there was there's another game we won. We won by we won by one or two goals, or, or was a late goal coming through. It's just that resilience that is, is reminiscent of the 1819 team, where we weren't. And don't get me wrong. I, I know we blew leads away. I know we. I know we won comfortably against Brentford. However, it's it's the way in which even when our strikers are being greedy and they're not passing to each other and they're getting getting their ego up and there's all that stuff going on, our defence just 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 not concede. And there's a there's a big difference between what you're seeing in our defence now than when we started the season. And we were also getting clean sheets because although you notice now, and I think there was a, there was a game that changed it. I can't remember. Peter will know. But there was a game that changed it for us where we now look like, even though we're giving up maybe certain chances, but our our high line looks like it's working more efficiently. If you understand what I mean, as in what you mean. early in the season, it looked like we were our high line was working to an extent. However, people were still getting in behind and having some having some good chances to score, but they just weren't just weren't taking it. Nowadays, well, more more so recently in that in this eight game winning run, it doesn't look the case. We look way more resolute. Trent is Trent is defending with his life. He, honestly, just like basketball, I know you made some you made some comparisons, Chris. A lot of what defense is. Is literally just effort, just effort, 
And you can see recently, Trent is just trying his hardest. I mean, like, you know what? I really want to get back. I really want to clear this ball off the line. I really want to get in and get a crunching tackle in there whilst also delivering on the offensive end, as he always does. It's, it's resolute. It's, it's great to watch. Van Dijk, is, Van Dijk is getting back to the brilliance that, that we once saw. Um, that's my main thing. And obviously, Alisson has just been... Alisson's just ridiculous. Oh, like, he's uh, just a ridiculous goalkeeper. He, oh, he's, he's also not been injured. Touch wood, he hasn't been injured. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our goalkeeper hasn't got a random injury like he normally yeah, does every year. I, I, was re- I, was, I rewatched the save you made, the Welbeck one, um, on Saturday. Yeah. And it's, just, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absurd. Like, just how, how simple have, it makes it look. Like, have you guys ever felt so confident when a player's going through that Alison's going gonna to save it? Always. I've, always, I've always feel so. I've never I'm felt calm. like this before. In all our I'm keepers calm. that I've ever watched, Dudek, Reyna, I've never felt this way with our goalkeepers being like, you know what? And, and even when um, I think Jekko scored um, an offside goal um, against us in the first leg, and I was surprised it went in. I was mm. like, what? You're actually beating one-on-one. <laughs> like, it, like I, I was surprised. Like, And that goes to show, that's just, it's just quality oozing around. Matip, Matip hasn't been, uh, there was a stat that came around that Matip's he's been available for most games this season than he had in his entire LFC career. Like, Crazy. the stars are aligning. It's, look, it's looking great. And I think, and I think honestly, I think our, I think our defence has just been, it's just been stellar, man. I think we've been brilliant. Sorry, Harold, just to jump on Harold's point of um, Alisson, I think we have a XG actually against of uh, 27 goals and we've conceded 20 goals which kind of shows you the brilliance that is of Alisson, do you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, the stars are aligning. And I, I also think we got a doctor in I think last when was it? Last summer? Or last two summers we got a new doctor in anyway. Yeah, because Morgan racking, I think, no? no, he's a physio but we got like a German doctor from oh, right. So um, our injuries were racking up. So everyone was like, oh, what's going on here? And I think that the recovery now, as we can see now, is starting to like, yield the effects. And not, the people that used to get injured a lot, like the Allisons and the Matips, I don't know about, um, what's his name, Thiago, he's just a special entity. But all yeah, the other players know. that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All the other Nathan players zero. are starting, <laughs> literally from, all the other players are starting to like stay a bit fit. Even Naby, Naby hasn't got some random back injury from doing absolutely F all. Do you know what I'm saying? The only one that's picking up injuries is a Jones, but maybe let's just put that down to being a young young boy. But yeah. Well, so, he, had the, he had the eye injury, didn't he? One eye Jones. Yeah, so it was um yeah, one, yeah, yeah, which was a bit random as well. So yeah, as as well as the size of line with the injuries and the defence, everything is just coming together, man. It's just a beautiful thing, man. Hopefully yields to something. Hopefully, and I mean, just, just touching back on the Allison point as well. I think the Crystal Palace game is such a big outlier of that. I mean, you look at um, the comparative the between both teams. Oh my word! I was it was driving me mad. You, I can remember you. I remember you in particular, absolutely steaming, and you're oh usually quite calm God. as well. <laughs> I was, I was, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the hell we were doing, and Allison just, and honestly. And, and Alison, some more time. He would just, he would just look, at, he would just look at the fence or, or the camera and just be like, <sighs> and, and he won't he even, he won't even, make, he won't even exasperate too much. Or like, you might hear him shout one or two times. It's honestly so rare. He's just, he's just amazing. Like he is. I have, I love this team. Honestly, like I, I had, um, I had uh, what's it called? I had Mike, Mike. I had, I had Mark and Tay around the other day um, for the for the inter game, and they were nervous. I was like. I've never felt Tate ever not nervous. You know what I mean? But like, (laughs) but but even Mark was screaming. I was like, guys, 
we look listen we are going through like i've never had more confidence in our team than i currently so calm, do bro so it took a, so it took a wonder goal from Toro which everyone took the relevant precautions against to say, okay, cool. If you're going to beat us, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Turns out right. it was an absolute cracker. So it's just, that's exactly. the only way you can beat us. You have to score a ridiculous goal. Like the inter game, that's a good point, Harold. They huffed and puffed. Midfield, they pressed us well. But then when it came to like, okay, that break us down, then like you can huff and puff and that. You can win the ball back in. That but break that's us down. running away from Van Dyke. Yo, yo, it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't really want it, and it's the same for Brighton. I mean, first fifteen minutes, which is, which is what you're always going to get from a home team. They're going to come in, they're going to try and ride up the fans, they're going to try and do a few things. But again, after fifteen minutes, we just suffocate you, literally just suffocate you, just get the ball off of you. But we do this thing where once we grab a hold of the game, we start passing along the defense. So Van Dijk will take it, give it to Matip, Trent, give it back to Matip again. So it's, it's dragging you out and it's just now you're chasing a ball. And it's just long because everyone's technically better than you or just stronger than you or quicker than you. So a lot of people, like a lot of rival fans are thinking, oh yeah, Liverpool on the ropes. But at one point was I not, not really nervous. I was more I was more upset with Liverpool against Inter that we didn't take our chances than Inter like, scoring a goal. Correct. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that was the biggest thing to be to be annoyed about from that game. And and also, I'm going to come back to you. Kind of same point that I posed to Harold. Um, what have you been your kind of like key factors that you've seen from this Liverpool team that have contributed to the unbeaten run and obviously chipping away at this lead? Um, I think we've just gone back to um to that square one really at the beginning of the season. I think we tried we tried that thing where the right side of the centre mid was trying to pull onto the wing and, and that stuff and Trent was going, which was working well, was scoring a lot of goals, but it seems like we've just gone back to being more solid and the engine room just being a functional unit because at times I have seen Anderson drag go onto that right side, but it's been few and far between, do you know what I'm saying? And that's mm. also combined with the with Elliot not playing a lot of games, if anyone's noticed. So Elliot hasn't really played, apart from the Inter game, he hasn't really played much, so I think Liverpool have gone back to just being a very solid outfit, trying to break us down. Um, I just think, again, everyone's just clicking at the right time. It's just no coincidence that once we started playing well, that um, Van Dijk's gone back to his best. Um, we've had a bit more fluidity in the team. Um, we've had numbers. We've had, <laughs> we've had players available. Do you know what I'm saying? The games where we've dropped points, so I'm looking at uh, Spurs away. I'm looking at Leicester, and we dropped points somewhere else. I think was it Chelsea? In those three yeah. games, it was those three games. Yeah, we didn't really have our better players. So against um, Tottenham, we're playing Tyler Morton. Chelsea, we've got Hendo and Milner in midfield. Leicester, I'm not really too sure who we played in midfield. Whatever, whatever that was. So we've got more reliable players. So I think it's just the personnel's come in. I think we've gone back to square one where we're just more more um tight in the midfield we're not trying to be as expansive and we're just confident within ourselves do you know what i'm saying yeah i think the confidence and belief in the team has probably never been as high as it has been and the big one of the big things for me is it's contributions from every single area of the pitch it's just not been the reliance on one specific player like it had been for a fair bit of you know the beginning of the season just kind of saying okay cool, cool. 
Mo's going to work his magic and do X, Y, and Z. Obviously, they didn't have Mo, they didn't have Mine, they didn't have Kaita for large periods of January. So I think a lot of the squad dipping in, contributing. I mean, Ox in January was fantastic, playing on that right-hand side. Scores two really good goals, really key goals in games where we need needed the wins to kind of start this um, start this kind of resurgence back up. And having those really good kind of contributions, I mean, Matip, phenomenal. Fabinho, phenomenal. All these guys kind of coming to the party and saying, you know, we have arrived. have just been revelations for me. Um, uh, it also helps that Virgil van Dijk basically, basically from, from New Year's Eve said, okay, cool, I'm back. Let's do this. He said, it's time for me to sprint again. That's actually what he said. He said, yo, you know what? I've been jockeying. It was that Chelsea game. The Chelsea game was egregious. After he that, was, he said, you know what? It's time to sprint. He said, David, you know David, the recovery thing? He was doing yeah, that. <laughs> The entire game against Chelsea. <laughs> nah, against Chelsea, that um, the second goal was absolutely ridiculous, bro. I was just watching Pulisic like, aura, aura, aura. Nah, you got engaged, big man. <laughs> big man, you got. <laughs> yeah, it was peak. <laughs> yeah, man, man was doing the rock gift, calling him jabronis and all sorts, but it just it just wasn't working. And at that moment, Virgil went, "Okay, cool. I'll start running. I'll start running again." And I think there's also a thing to be made of. Sorry, sorry, Chris. No, go for it. I was going to say, I think it's also good a thing to be made off of um, our our core staying fit as well. Like we mentioned, you know, Alison gets those niggles. So Alison, Van Dyke, Fabinho, Salah. I'd say those those are our core. I guess maybe you could say Mane, Salah, but really Salah, right? Our core. We normally have Alison who gets some niggles here and there. You get Fabinho who normally be out for a few games here and there. Way more robust. Those is. Liverpool don't really lose with those four in, in, in the lineup consistently starting. Salah, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Allison were good. And obviously, we have insane quality around them. We've got Diaz, Mane, Trent, Robbo, right? We've got Thiago. We've got brilliant players around them. But those four staying fit is key because those two normally get injured, Ali and Fab. Them two are so important for where we play. We play such high-risk football. If we don't have someone like someone like Fabinho, I promise you those those transitions you're seeing, those turnovers, they'll be far more frequent, far far more frequent. He does he does a lot of the jobs, and honestly, I'm so so happy. That's all I can say, man. It's it's it's, it's a great time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a really good point on injuries because like so many times over the last like few weeks, we've had a full squad available, and you're seeing players like Joe Gomez missing out on matchday squads, and people are thinking, oh, that's really unlucky on Joe Gomez. But you look at the bench and you think, well, actually. Who does he replace on the bench? You know, you have Curtis Jones missing that match day squad sometimes. So I think at times this season we've had hard lines of injuries and COVID. Like I think December, the, the Tottenham game was just like, what, what can you do? To, a yeah, few, play, Tyler a few Morton players. Music. Yeah, a few players. <laughs> Tyler Morton music. <laughs> I got I think, that, <laughs> man, it's my goodness. I think, yeah, what can you do when a few players pull out on, on the eve of a game because of COVID? So I think we've been fortunate with injuries and hopefully, you know, by God's grace moving forward, we still have that luck of injuries and we're able to, yeah, just keep drawing on full squad because I think for players like Thiago, for players like Naby Keita, you want to be able to pick their games. Those game, those players are not players that can be playing every week, so you want to be able to pick their games. So hopefully we're in a position now we can pick those games. Jones can get some minutes as well. Elliot can get some minutes. And yeah, just keep relying on the squad, essentially. Listen, God, in all your infinite wisdom, Give me all the hamstring injuries so Thiago does not have them. I am willing to take on that burden so he does not have to because I need that guy available for the, for the running because he's going to be so key. 
And and yeah, if you are listening, Lord, um, big fan of the part, big big fan of your work in general. To be fair, massive fan of the Old Testament. Um, but yeah, um, I'm gonna need that. <laughs> and Mike, I know. Oh god, no, go, go, go on else, go on. Yeah, my problem with Tiago, he gets obscure injuries and it's so annoying. There was one time he said, Oh yeah, it was uh his shin. It was after Palace. Was it his shin or something? I'm like, bro, what what is this man? Then come back, his hip. Bro, I've uh, come on, just help me out. I need a proper injury. Right now, right, cool. Don't this all these like little Niggly fibbing. It's just it's Joe. But yeah, man. I'm on Chris's prayer, man. <laughs> Chris is good. <laughs> hey, don't be doing that prayer, man. Thinking you're gonna get Sierra like results. Don't be doing it, okay? Um, Mike, um, kind of same question I posed the lads. And I know I feel like I know what one of your kind of key factors are gonna be. And it's going to be a certain Colombian winger um, who you were very kind of hot on the press on before um, before everything kind of like intensified, really. How key has the elements that Luis Diaz has added to the way that Liverpool kind of go about their business really contributed to this run? Bro, he's been absolutely massive, you know. And I honestly thought he would come in and like he'd be integrated really, really slowly to the point where he might be starting his first game in March. But he's come in and literally from the get-go contributed and what what strikes me about him and it's something that I've, I'm really kind of I'm like he's going to be a top player for us is because his teammates trust him so so much to the point where in the League Cup final that's when I really hit me I was thinking these guys really trust him I Virgil van Dijk was pinging these ridiculous long balls over to him like chest high balls Some balls are quite difficult to deal with and Diaz is killing them on his chest easily and then just turning out and, and kind of create, creating some more chaos I guess so yeah, he's been really, really important for us. And I do think that moving forward, he's someone I really want to start in those big games because a lot of opposition players and, and, and opposition teams don't actually know how to deal with him because he's such an unknown quantity. He, and he, in terms of the way he plays as well, he plays with such like a, an exuberance. But it's quite hard to kind of pin him down, know which way he's going to go. Like, I honestly think Lamptey hasn't had many tougher games than, he, than that game on the weekend. There was like... Hi, that, that, that picture of him, where his just face is just absolute pain. <laughs> It's just, oh, it's brilliant. Honestly, because Lamptey's one of those players who's really tenacious, who's, you know, he really, he's the sort of player that would be having the effect that Diaz is having on, was having on him, where he just can't, he just he keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. I mean, there was a point in like the 85th minute of the game where Diaz is still taking him on and trying to create some, some more chaos. So, honestly, moving forward, he's going to be so, so big for us. And again, it gives us that opportunity where we can rotate players. So we can, maybe Mane doesn't start the game and Jota plays. And maybe Diaz doesn't start the particular game. He starts another game. So, we now have options we can draw up, and obviously Salah starts every game because Mo Salah is Mo Salah. So, yeah, really, really important. I think another thing that's really helped us is just a, a shift in mentality. Like Liverpool just look really, really serious now. Look like they really want to win a league title. Like it's, they, they're in a mentality of like nineteen twenty, where it's just you have to keep winning. Um, and I think City did that to them as well. Like City have City went on an incredible run, and I think a lot of these players realise where they are in their, in their careers. You know, a lot of the players are kind of twenty nine, thirty. Um, this is kind of a last hurrah for this group, if you like, as in, like, some of them will move on in the summer. Like, maybe for me, you know, move on, or we don't know what's going to happen with Mo Salah. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. But this group of players, as of a year, will start to break apart from this summer moving forward. So, as a collective, this is, like, their last big push. And what a big push it could be. Like, you could end up with four trophies. Um, so, yeah, I think we've just we just entered a kind of a, a different mindset now. And, honestly, I, I don't see how many teams stop us. Like, there aren't many teams I fear in Europe. There aren't many teams I fear in, 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 in the FA Cup. And then we're gonna 
continue building momentum and, and um yeah keeping Bernardo Silva up at night. So yeah, happy <laughs> days, man. Keeping Bernardo Silva up at night, indeed. Listen, uh, I can't believe you said Firmino's going to leave, but you know when it does happen, <laughs> best believe. I'm just gonna be, It'll be a very like sad R- thing. it's gonna be like an R and B album. It's gonna be like an R and B video, classic R and B video uh, in the Christian house. Yeah. Be... Crying in the, rain, yeah. in, in the rain. In the rain. Ray J, you know what I mean? If <laughs> I had one wish you get a new contract. Um <laughs> it's good vibes, man. Good vibes. Um Harold. Yo. One of Fahi's most hated people in the Liverpool squad. <laughs> All right, and listen, I'm so upset. I was doing exactly, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Go on, Chris, you finish, you finish, you finish. Let me not get excited. You finish. The man, I, and I have never seen Fahi acted this way. I've never seen him where he, to the point where he, you know, he's watching Match of the Day. He's like doing the screenshots. He's sending them in the group saying, look at the positioning, look at what's going on here, X, Y, and Z. I've never seen this type of fixated behavior from, 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 from one man on another. Um, only got a one Premier League player of the month for being absolutely unbelievable, hasn't he? Unbelievable. I, I honestly I was so upset, right? So I was doing my exam and I was right before, right before I was about to sit and I see he gets man uh player of the month, and I found out chat on mute. Oh my I would have slapped that guy's head multiple if I, I would have got up to MK Dons, wherever the hell he lives. Him and he's a palatial <laughs> estate, wherever the hell that man lives. I, honestly, and then I think I think Els makes makes Matip the prof, the profile pick of the group. It makes me so happy, pure delight in my heart. No, but on a, on a serious note, John Matip has been immense, and I think this is nothing of a surprise to us. I don't think we have always been saying how good Matip is. He's never been his quality when he's able to play. It's oftentimes he's never able to play. It's as simple as that. Um, to the point where we're literally like, yo, he is the second best center back in the league. And people just laugh us off because because they're like, oh, okay, he barely plays. Look, you're seeing it this season. Like for a long stretch this season, he was our best defender. He was. And, it's, and honestly, it's, it's, it's the truth. And you, you see what he's able to bring. I know it, does, it doesn't look as aesthetically pleasing as you, as maybe like an Eden Hazard or, or, or like a Neymar. But that, that man can break, can break lines. He can create. And we saw it with Diaz. Um, on the weekend, shout out Joe Matic, man. Um, he's had a few shaky moments um, in more recent times, I would say, but him just being available and him shocking us because if cause remember in our um, in our transfer game um, in the summer, Chris, I don't think there was any team who didn't sell Joe Matic um, mm-hmm. yet to confront. He's gone, he's gone on and proved us wrong. So shout out to you, Joe Matic. You've been brilliant. Long may it continue. Um, if it's this form that keeps Gomez out the side, it keeps Canati out the side, then so be it. Like, what? H- how can we complain? Um, credit credit where credit's due. He's great at defending and he's also good at creating somehow, some way. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't, don't, my only grievance with him, actually, you know, if, if I'm actually saying something, it is his rather meek attempts at header, heading the ball. It's almost like he lets the ball hit him. Like he's almost a bit afraid, as and obviously we got the we got the polar opposite in Van Dyke who attacks it like like some hammerhead shark, and it's it's like that's my only grievance of him, but that's me nitpicking um, for what he does do, um, which, which is his bread and butter defending. I think I think he does it amazingly well. So shout out to him, man. 
Yeah, he just he, yeah, it is a bit annoying when you see him kind of um in attacking set pieces. He's just standing there like a big big bead pole. It's like even his goal, if you remember, I think it was last was it last season where we beat Arsenal 3 0 at home and he's he scored he scored the opener um a header from, from from a corner in the first half. Um it didn't, it didn't even look like he hit with conviction, but but it just nestled in, in right in in the in the top left hand corner of the net. And I was like, okay, fair enough, Joel. All right, cool. More time doesn't look like he's actually using much like conviction, but hey man, shout out, shout out to you, brother. Else, um, we've been able to pair unreal meme content. I know me and you, big, big fans of no context, Joel Batif. Um, big fan. We've been able to pair phenomenal meme content with absolutely phenomenal performances. I know you've always been a big Matip fan, but do you think he's kind of had a little bit of a quiet word for himself coming into this season, seeing how 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 quick Kanate has adapted to the Premier League and to this Liverpool system of play? And obviously he knows the quality of Joe Gomez. He knows that he could be the long-term um, partner for Virgil van Dijk as we kind of go into seasons beyond this. Do you think he's a bit of a quiet word to himself? It's kind of saying, okay, cool. This needs to be the season where I really kind of showcase over the full breath what Joel Matip is all about. Yeah, most likely, man. Um, obviously, he's an experienced player now. And I think he's probably looking at the last couple of seasons where he's played less than 10 games in the league, respectively. And he's probably thought, yeah, it's time to like, raise the level up. Um and possibly he was probably disappointed. I mean, you've come back in January last year, then you get injured again, then your season's all gone. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, he's probably no fault of his own, wanted to do a bit more for the team as as we struggled. And, and I think it's a testament to him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too sure about his diet or whatever, but he, he looks like he looks after himself, but it's just he gets injured a fair few. Is he bit. on the L's programme, yeah? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> He's the big man. I don't know, Paul's but <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I think that going back to what you said, he's probably just sat down, sat down with himself, sat down with Klopp, had some conversations. Um, he's got, I think he's got like a couple years left. I'm not too sure. Or is it, yeah, I think he's, he thinks his things expires next year. His contract expires next year. So he's probably looking at, Look, I probably could get one more big contract here or get a bigger contract somewhere else. So this is probably the season where he's just trying to, you know, show people what he's really about. And it's funny because speaking about John Matt, um, I think a few weeks ago, the picture of the 2000 and... Is it 2007 Golden Boy? Is it 2010? 2010 Golden um, Golden Boy Awards come out. And and his name's there, which shows that Eddie Hazard and all this type of players. Mario Balotelli. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was in a list with some really, really good players and, and, and it shows that he's got the talent and we know that he's got the talent but he was just not available. So it, it's good to see how he's performing now. Um, I, f- I think Liverpool are always better with Joe Mike, regardless of what anyone says. I think because he's coming to Liverpool and his first season, I believe they finished fourth and he's always in and around, you know, in the first team. So uh, uh, Liverpool is always better with Joe Matip and it's good to see him perform at this level at the minute, man. I've just found that uh, 2010 uh, Golden Boy list. Um, <laughs> headlined by Joel Matip. Uh, it's also got Mario Balotelli, Romelu Lukaku, Gael Kakuta, which, you know, never <laughs> forget. Yeah. Uh, Pianic. James Rodriguez, Eden Hazard, 
Frederico Makeda, which uh, I only that's, remember him just popping up against that Villa. That name so, yeah. shudders down my spine, honestly. I think that's just I off the back of Villa. Bro, how can you score? How can that goal be the one thing he does in his career? Honestly, that's it was, the, that's it was Villa and Sunderland. It's peak he against Sunderland as well. Peak, that's peak, peak Fergie, Fergie, honestly. Bro. Some random seventeen-year-old kid who does goes on to do nothing else in the game scores one of the best goals I've ever seen. To what's a, win what's the goal that is? What's a goal that is? Ridiculous, <laughs> honestly. It's just a joke, man. It's peak Fergie. Uh, right. <laughs> Ridiculous. And the other two were uh, Mario Goethe and Felipe Coutinho. So yeah, a, 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 a pretty, pretty interesting list there when you think about it. Mike, take us home with John Matip because I, I, I know it, it, it hurts. I know it hurts the chat to see Joe Gomez kind of in the situation he is at the moment with, with the rep and everything we have for, 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 for Joe in there. But talk about just how good Joel has been this season to kind of cement this place down. Yeah, listen, Gomez has got the streets in that. Like, everyone in the Copen group chat absolutely adores him. Julian, I think, is his number one fan. No one loves Joe Gomez more than Julian, but... Listen, he'd Lam, go to war for that. I think he, Lam. He, he, Yeah, Glam as well. Glam. I think Glam met him at one time, right? So Glam's like, oh, I met you, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Glam more than Julian. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, honestly, like, you look at Matip, and I just think he's back to the level he was at when we won the Champions League. I and mean, people forget how good he was in that run. And I remember... Van Dijk was getting spoken about in a kind of Ballon d'Or conversation around 2019 because he was just on another level and he was like on another level. I remember around like April time, like the real run-in period where we were obviously going up against City and we were in the Champions League. I remember watching Massive in that period and thinking he's performed a bit better than Van Dijk in his period. And that's, Van Dijk was sort of the, sort of the player that was I was thinking was one of the best in the world at that point. And Matip was kind of matching him or bettering him for performance level. So it kind of shows the kind of play he can be and we're seeing that consistently week in, week out. And What's really surprising me is that he's quite robust this season. So he's, he's even able to play two games in a week. And I was thinking with Matic this season, we're going to have to really rotate him. It's going to be one game a week. It's going to be really, really picking his games. But he's shown that, I think Klopp did rotate him at times to start of the season. But I think he's shown over the last few weeks, we've had a lot of games. He's shown that he can, you know, play consistently. And I think obviously the good thing is we have Kanasi and Gomez in reserve. So yeah, just a really remarkable player. And actually, I think he's at the peak of his powers now. So you often speak about kind of players peaking in like the kind of 28 to 29 range, or like, and he's kind of in that age range now. And he really is at the peak of his powers. And yeah, I'm going to continue because I do think he is getting his flowers now, which is nice because I think often we have a few players that don't get rated beyond our little Liverpool bubble. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of them for sure. Henderson was one of those, one of them a few years ago, but he got his flowers eventually won an, an individual award when he won the league. And I think people are now starting to wake up and see just how good Matip is. So, yeah, happy days. And um, Fahi, hold that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid you're going to have to hold that, Fahi, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> let's move on to a uh, little bit of a preview of what is now the biggest game of Liverpool season so far until the next biggest game of Liverpool season so far. And then the other game of Liverpool's biggest season, game biggest game of Liverpool season so far. See, I can't, I can't count them. There's just so many. There's going to be so many. Arsenal looking quite good, has to be said. They've really turned it around in, in the past few months and weeks. They're putting in really good performances. And a weird statistic has been sent to us um, whilst we were recording. Um, let me pull that up immediately. Ridiculous stat. It's the first time the two Premier League teams have played each other and both of them have won their last five league games since 2008. And that was also Liverpool versus Arsenal. Of course, that was the famous 4-4 game. I went to that game as a wide-eyed 17-year-old with my dad. 
and I have never seen a man get cooked more wait, in my wait, entire wait, life. Wait, wait, Chris, Chris, wait, wait, wait. You were 17 in 08. All right, yeah. all right, all right, all right, all right, Harold. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Sorry, I'm old, man. Thank you, I'm old, man. I'm not finding any gray hairs yet, but I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. As 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 a naive 17-year-old went to that game, and I've never seen a cooking more in my entire life than what Theo Walcott did to Jerry Carragher. Boy! He left him in the dirt. I've never seen a man just sit there and go, yeah, I, I'm not doing this no more. This, this is beyond me. <laughs> Beyond me, <laughs> like absolutely not. Um, and yeah, it's weird, weird to think now when you kind of think about the present moment that an introduction of Theo Walcott could could change the game that much. But no, man, back 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 then he was very much one of the, one of the golden children. But this game, uh, uh, Mike, I'll come I'll come to you first. It's going to be a difficult game because we know what Arsenal are capable of. But what do you what do you see that Liverpool are capable of to delivering tomorrow night? in the Emirates, under the lights. I just think this Liverpool team are really good at riding storms. And we've seen that over the last few weeks where there have been periods in games where teams put pressure on us. I think Inter Milan is probably the best example, the away game, where they, they have a spell, I think, at the start of the second half. And I think Canarsi and Van Dijk do really, really well. And actually, what people don't realise is, I think Arsenal are definitely going to have a spell tomorrow where they're on the front foot. They're pinning us back. Liverpool's back to, like, kind of back foot defending. When they're kind of putting the pressure, they have to kind of stay in the low block for a few minutes. It's really, really good. It's it's excellent. Like if Liverpool wanted to be a low block counter attacking team, they'd be the best counter attacking low block team in the world. So yeah, Arsenal are going to have spells of possession and they're going to you know create some chances. I'm sure, but I trust this Liverpool team to kind of manage those difficult moments really, really well. And I think the introduction of Thiago will help that as well. Fabinho will obviously play the game. I think Henderson will play the game, <clears throat> and we have some weapons to hurt them. We have you know players like Diaz who who they wouldn't have had to deal with before. Um, Salah obviously who hopefully will start the game, and and Jota Romani I'm sure will, will fill in at number nine. So. Yeah, we can hurt Arsenal, and I think we can, you know, weather the storm. One thing I would say, and to kind of compliment Arsenal, actually, Guna friends, if you like, is this is probably the most worried I've been about playing Arsenal for over ten years. So, like the Van Persie, mm. they weren't that good, and you know they had Van Persie, and they were obviously a better side than us. Beyond that, I haven't really worried about playing Arsenal. We've been a better side than them for for, for most of my kind of like adulthood, if you like. So, kind of my my twenties, most of my twenties, we've been a significantly better side than Arsenal. Um, so yeah, tomorrow it will be a tricky game, but it's one that I expect Liverpool to, to kind of survive and, and to win. And partly because Liverpool need to win. And, and Liverpool have entered a mindset, I'll keep saying it, of we will win games. No matter what happens, they'll be games. They'll find a way to win. It might be a last-minute winner. It might be a 3-0, see you later, 60 minutes, the game's done. They'll find a way to win that game and they'll get the three points tomorrow, I'm sure of it. Harold, I'm going to come to you next. Kind of touch on something that Mike um, elaborated on just... Having that Arsenal available, no pun intended, uh, available to us um, within the front uh, from three attacking players. Obviously, Firmino's back. Jota seems to be kind of getting back to speed after the injury, which I feel like he rushed himself through to be part of the League Cup, um, League Cup final. But when you look at the attacking array that we have, what were you thinking in terms of going as a front three for this game? Because you look at Sadio Mane in the number nine, I think he's actually adapted quite well to it. And it's adding another element to his game where you look at him and think there's a few more big moments to from to come from him. Yeah, I think I think we play with the front three that we've been playing um for the last few weeks. I think I think we stick with I think we stick with Salah, Diaz and and Mane. Um Mane's touch is a bit baggy sometimes, but 
more time, more time his his baggy touch normally gets him a foul because <laughs> people just barge into his back. Um, so he's he he does well, but he's also a diff. He's just different to what people expect, right? Um, like he's got this low center of gravity, he's still quick, and he's still got that moment of brilliance. But the thing I wanted to touch on, um, in particular, to what just to piggyback on what Mike said, why we're talking about our when we'll be under some 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 pressure. Of course we will, right? Um, this, this is going to be an Arsenal team who are who are ready, amped up, ready to go. Like they're, 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 This is the only thing they've got to fight for, the Premier League, right? Um, and, and their fans know that as well. When we're riding those that, that, that moment of pressure, maybe, the, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes that we have, that outlet to Luis Diaz is going to be absolutely vital. Someone who can be and be someone who can control the ball first time and get the and get and get the boys up the pitch. That's going to be clinical. And I genuinely think I can see I can see a goal coming from that situation. Genuinely. Um, yeah, so I and just just touch on the, the arsenal that we have. Of course, we have we have Jota, we've got we've got Bobby who's back now as well. Um, we've got we've got Rigi as well, we've got Taki, we got we got so many options, right? Um, hey man, I, I generally think Glenn might have some form of stroke if um yeah, he's he, he, he absolutely loves Taki. Yeah, it kills me. Um Jota also loves playing against Arsenal. Um I think he just he's just a little menace, isn't he? Like he's just he's just and he's just so both footed and he's good in the air. He's a very annoying player to play against. I'm so happy we have him. Um it'll be good for him to rediscover that form um that that, that he had right before his injury as well. But yeah, I'm 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 going with I'm going with um Diaz, Mane and, and Salah. And and Mane's been doing something recently and something he did in the early part of the 1920 season when we won the league, and that was scoring important goals. Scoring important opening goals and winning goals. Salah would miss his chances. Here comes Mane to go and, and convert right when you need him. Right when you need him. Just like just like the first half of the 1920 season. So listen. I this game is finally poised. It's, it's beautiful. I think I think it's, it's going to be I think it's going to be a tremendous watch. Um, and all all our players are fit. Touch wood. Honestly, this is like like Mike says. Credit to Arsenal and where they are and where they've come from and getting Arteta to to convince convince the, the fans that he actually is the real deal or or perceivably so at least. Um, but listen, you, you guess us. You're going to hold that. You get it. You're going to hold that. But anyway, yeah, yeah but. We got we, we we got we got we we got quality to spare, man. I I generally don't see anything other than a Liverpool win. Can I, can I make a quick point as well? Just sorry, just about Arsenal. I think Harold, you touched on it there. They only have the Premier League to compete for, and I think that's really important going into this game because this is like their second game in so many days. They're not used to that. Liverpool you, Liverpool are built to play you know games within like a short period of time. We we've been doing that for the last month or so. Arsenal have had less recovery time than us going into this game and they're not used to playing games in midweek. So this will stretch them. And I think we've all seen this game, their energy drop in about 70. They will drop. They're actually going to put a lot of... Get, their fans are going to get them up for it, get them amped up for it. The first sort of half of the game, they're going to be really energetic. And I do think they will struggle because they're not used to the grind of what it is to play Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. Being built for the grind will definitely come into play um, this evening. Els, I'll come to you. I always think about that kind of first half that Arsenal had against Manchester City as a, as a really good kind of example of how Arteta wants to build the way that they play. Would you expect something similar to that against us tomorrow, kind of off the back of what Mike said, as 
there as well. They're going to go big for that period of the game, kind of set themselves up quite well, where Liverpool have to kind of navigate that period. Are you expecting something similar to that tomorrow evening? And ultimately, yeah. do you think Liverpool have enough nows? And well, we, I'm not even going to question the desire, but do you think they have the wherewithal to get through that particular period and you know assert dominance, really? Yeah, I think I feel that the first 15, 20 minutes, Arsenal are going to be up for it. Um, I think it's going to follow a similar suit of the second leg away at the, um, during the um, Carabao Cup, um, where the first 20 minutes, Martinelli was really cooking up um, Trent. He was really getting in behind. There was a lot of passion. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of quickness to their football, um, a lot of good pressing. So um, I feel that, yeah, that, um, that second, that, that game is going to act as a template to what Liverpool are trying to do or what Arsenal are going to try and do. So that's what I'm expecting. I think me, Mike and I were talking about it yesterday where um, that first 15, they're going to really, really press us hard. They're going to really push up against us, Paul. But um, I I expect Liverpool to, to be able to ride it out, Paul. And I expect Liverpool to be... <laughs> I expect Liverpool to, to, to be... Um, to be experienced, the way I see Liverpool now, I see it as you remember United back in the late nineties, early two thousands, where when they just come around, it's, it's peak is just sticky because you know what they're about. They're so organised, they're so regimented in what they want to do. Fergie just got them in such a um, focused mind state, and that's why I feel that Liverpool are at the minute. Arsenal going to huff and puff. They probably have. I think Alisson will probably make one of them routine saves, and they're gonna get a couple corners. They're gonna be gassed. Then they're not gonna score. And once you don't score after 20, 25 minutes, forget about it, man. It's long for you now, because Liverpool are now gonna just suffocate you. Ball constrictor style, mate. We're just gonna, you know, we take the game away from you, and yeah, you're gonna suffer and die slowly. Hopefully, anyway. Not really too sure what after what to say after that. Someone would say you're going to suffer and die slowly. I mean, you should, you should follow protocols of the police. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, quick quick round robin. What what do you think in terms of scoreline prediction for tomorrow? Mike, I'll start with you. I think Arsenal open the scoring. You know, I think they get the crowd up. They score. City fans are there. Pep Guardiola's there with his roast dinner. He's getting excited. He's calling his wife over. Wednesday he's roast, happy. you know? Do you think Pep has yeah, a he's having a roast? Yeah, he's, he's, he's rogue, bro. He's Pep. He's so rogue. He's, he must have some mad diet him. Honestly, Liverpool Liverpool have messed him up big time. I think he's he's not eating well. He's ordering delivery every night. He's, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, so I think, you know, they get happy. Liverpool, second half, wake up and just take the game away. Mo Salah scores a goal. Diaz scores a winner. D.O.A.N. goes crazy and we, and we win the game 2-1. Listen, I saw, I saw that meme from, uh, from 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 last night. You know, I offer you a two-one win. You I'm give us four nil against Spurs. <laughs> and, and, you know, a sack of moment. It's like, bro, I'm taking that. Me being a little bit greedy and cheeky, I'm saying make it three-one. You got yourself a deal, but like, you know what I mean. We, you know, we're giving you more gold difference than we're getting back. So you know, we got to break even a little bit there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Harold, how about yourself? What do you think is score-wise? I'm going for two nil. Um, I think I think Arsenal will have some chances. Um, not clear cut. I genuinely don't think they will be. Um, I think a lot of the game will depend on Odegaard. Actually, I think he's I think he's been on some really good form. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how well he does against us. Uh, playing in that little pocket. Um, 
yeah, I'm yeah, I'm 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 still going for I'm still going for two 0 Uh, I I can honestly I, the way we where we've been playing six six clean sheets in our last eight wins. Look, there's there's nothing to say that we we can't go on and and, and get another. We're we're resolute there at the back. Um, and yeah. I mean, I got, I got, I got nothing else to say. Arsenal will pose a threat. I just think that we'll, I just think our our players um, that we expect to step up will Ali, Virgil, Matip, Fab. I think, I think they'll step up accordingly. Step up to the streets. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree with the uh, with, with the Odegaard sentiment. By the way, um, you know, you kind of look a, a few years back, and it really seemed like he was, you know, floundering at Real Madrid. Um, going on all those various different loans and stuff, and it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I, w- I wish him the best of luck, apart from you know whenever he plays against Liverpool, because you you look at players like that, they are ballers, and you know they need to be in the, the environment to thrive, really. So yeah, man, it's really it's really good seeing how he's how he's turned it around. Else, take us home. What uh, do you yeah, score prediction wise? Yeah, two 0 Liverpool. Um, yeah, I think we're just gonna. Say if no, say what I just said was yeah, easy to, but I do think Lacazette will miss a one on one. I think he's gonna miss a one on one and he's gonna get a one on one first like 15 minutes. He's gonna miss it. Heard that her first. You heard it here first exclusively on Copper. So before, before, before we move on, what oh, sorry, it's Chris. what it, was the score when um Jota scored 2 0. Yeah. What? What is, is it? Is the league up? No, nah, no. Nah, it was. I think it was a league. Uh, Jotters. Four 0 Away from home. The one away. Game. Oh, away from home. Oh, you mean last, last season? season? Yeah. Was it last season? Yeah, that was last season. What was the score? Yeah, it was two 0 Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna I be similar so. to that game. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get it on that one. We'll. We'll, we'll get them to run the, <laughs> run the numbers. Um. But yeah, but obviously, before we do, kind of move on to the next segment. We do a little thing here at Touchline Frackers called Touchline Fives. And I'm a bit annoyed at myself that I didn't remember this at the beginning of the pod because it would have been a way better placement for an ad as opposed to one hour and 10 minutes into the thing um, <laughs> when audio retention has probably dropped off a little bit. Um, yeah, we do a little thing called Touchline Fives. And of course, we do have the Cop and Frackers five aside team which competes in Cop and Fives. And we are looking for members of the Cop and Frackers wider family. To join us, come play alongside some of your faves, Els, Mike, Harold. I myself won't be participating because uh, I haven't got a work permit um, coming from you know the lovely place of Wolverhampton to <laughs> to, 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 to London. Um, Pretty Patel said, "Nah, man, he, he, we don't let you lot in this place." And I'm like, "This is a bit mad, still. I don't know why I'm being being persecuted like this." So, um, so yeah, um, I need someone to fill in for myself, of course. Um, but yeah, we are looking for. Ballers only. And of course, we are looking for a goalkeeper as well. So, you know, if you're good between the sticks, please, please hit us up and on the on the Twitter feed or, you know, um, hit any of the individual members of the cast up and we will welcome you with open arms into the Touchline Fives Cop End family. On to the next section, because that was a bit of a train wreck of an insert there. Um <laughs> It's all been a bit mad in regard to Mohamed Salah's contract situation. Yeah, you, you've got his agent tweeting out laughing emojis. You've had the the the, the, the world-renowned and fabled Cop and Fracas 
WhatsApp group coming to absolute disarray um, about, you know, we'll be fine if he leaves. We've had people on Twitter saying that, you know, he, he should be playing for free, which is absolutely insane. So we're going to obviously have a quick conversation about <laughs> we have a quick conversation about Mohamed Salah's. Wait, 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 wait! Who's the Salah to play for free? <laughs> bro, you know what? You should just see these random white guys saying that oh, if he loves the club like he says he does, he should be playing for free. You're playing for the badges free? reward enough. It's oh, like, bro, brother, man. would you work for free? Like, no. Oh, my days, jokers. Uh, yeah. So, um, so that so, so that was that, that. That's been going on. I, I've always been of the mind that. Just pay the guy what he wants, um, because he's the best player in the world, and he deserves it. He's putting so much work in Liverpool shirt, so much graft, so much effort to develop himself as a footballer. He deserves that remuneration. And Harold, I'm going to come to you first. The Mohamed Salah contract situation. What are your thoughts on it as it stands? You know, I haven't really had a lot to think about it. I mean, had a lot of time to think about it. I've just been pushing it away from my mind. Um, obviously, preparing for this podcast, seeing it on the agenda, I'd obviously had to. Um, and first of all, I don't, make, I don't make anything of what his agent says. I think it's just common to have superstars who have agents who are just not very likable. I think that's it is just what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's in fashion. I, that doesn't bother me at all, right? Because um, they're doing what's in the interest of their client as well as himself, right? Um, that's number one. Number two, I don't know the specifics of the amounts being thrown out. Apparently, we offered three seven five, or we offered three two five, um, and he wants over four hundred or at least four hundred, etc. Don't know the specifics of that. But what I will say is, um, us losing Salah at the age of thirty one, so it would be obviously ne- end of next season at the age of thirty one, is a risk that I think Liverpool would be calculated enough to take like it won't be one where it's just like oh crap like oh we lost Salah what are we gonna do now like there will be a contingency plan right and I will and I will trust it and we have in the past done well to replace our best players Owen Suarez Torres it happens right often it's forwards right and we and we always get some sort of plan back together and we always get an, another another great talent so I have no qualms there however I would like for us to keep Mohamed Salah in our team. Um, I get, but the thing is, I also get why someone might be like, I know Chris, you're saying, I'll just pay him what he wants. I I get why people might say, no, don't do that because it'll mess up the wage structure of the entire club. And then it could go into a bit, a bit of a mess. Right. Hmm. Um, However, just up the wage bill, (laughs) just pay people. I mean, look, it sounds, it sounds so easy to say, right. Because obviously it's not my money, but, we're going to have other people like we're going to have Trent, we're going to have Virgil, we're going to have, I, I guess, less. Well, money has some sort of has some sort of say to say there. Um, Hendo will probably get, oh no, he's, he's, he's already got his contract. Robbo, like, he's got these these players, Allison, these players were in our team. We're going to, they're going to earn another contract, right? And they're going to see most contract and they're going to want more. I just think those players who are world class or performing at a world class level deserve to be paid accordingly. I've got no qualms of it, um, but same way. If it doesn't happen, I trust I trust my club to to have a plan in place to um, to basically work around it. I know I, I basically like I'm sitting on the fence here, um, but essentially I get I get both sides of it. Whatever happens, I 
I think whatever happens, I won't say I'm happy. I'm happier if he stays, but I understand why we might, why we may have to let him go. Yeah, I think Harold, you spoke well there. To be honest with you, um, like I'm, I'm of the camp of, of by all means, up the way structure, and by all means, kind of not pay him what he wants, but pay him, you know, make him our best paid player ever, make him one of the best paid players in Premier League. But you can't pay him what he wants. I think ultimately there has to be a line, <laughs> um, and that line cannot be dictated by Mohamed Salah. It has to be dictated by the club. And I think ultimately there will be a point where which his rate, his wage demand would be add the detriment of, of the club's long-term success. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've seen clubs in the past give players what they want. I think Barcelona gave, did the same with Messi and there was a knock-on effect. There is knock-on effect. Van Dijk will be knocking on the door. If, if we're offering Mohamed Salah, say, I think Van Dijk's on £220,000. If we're offering Mohamed Salah £400,000 pounds a week, over 50% of what Van Dijk's on, um, He'll be thinking, wait, what's going on? I was, you know, I'm one of the best players in the world. I'm, there's every chance we're talking about Van Dijk in December as a Ballon d'Or candidate. So you're telling me that Mohamed Salah should be earning more than 50% of what he earns at Liverpool Football Club. I think that that's where, I think that's where you really risk the squad harmony we've built over the last three or four years, but you're paying Mohamed Salah way more than the rest of his teammates. And I just think it, it will be a massive shame if we lost Mohamed Salah, but I really trust the structure we have at the club. And I, I think Peter was saying this as well in the, in the chat, and we both spoke about it, about how there's a sort of structure in place here and there's and, and I trust the decision-makers that if he did leave the club this summer or next summer, that, yeah, there might be a period of transition, but ultimately in the long term, the club would be in a sort of in, in good health. And I think um, Elijah, who's obviously on, on Mugger, he was talking about how he understands both sides of the story. And I think the question he said is that both sides of the story be asking themselves: Am I be- would Mohamed Salah be better off outside of Liverpool, or will Liverpool be better off than Salah? And I, I really am bullish about the answers to that because I do think that if Salah did leave Liverpool and we, we obviously we have life without Salah, I think we'll be in a better position than, than Mohamed Salah without Liverpool. And that's not me saying that you know he's not an important player for us. Listen, Mohamed Salah is an incredibly important player for us, but I just trust the kind of processes that that decide what happens at the club, and I. I makers of the club so much that if it did happen and Mohamed Salah did leave I don't think we would crumble and become a side that finished fifth or sixth every season I think we'll still be in the pitch for the title I think we'll still be competing for major runners so yeah I'm of the I'm of the opinion that we should definitely pay this man a lot and he should be he should be right up there and kind of like earning you know the sort of biggest money in Premier League but people say pay in market value and the market value is dictated by teams like Man City and PSG these teams are backed by states we can't pay the market value. We have to pay Man United you know, as well. Yeah, so we have to pay what we're kind of willing to, to to offer. And ultimately, if making him one of the best played players in the Premier League um, isn't enough for Mohamed Salah, then he might have to leave, and that will be a massive shame. But yeah, I, I I really don't I really don't think we should like just pay him what he wants because the knock on effects and the long term effects I could have would be to the detriment of our long term success. And ultimately, to use the kind of top bread cliche, if you like. No one's bigger than Liverpool. And, and Mohamed Salah, he's a great player, but he's not bigger than Liverpool. So that's that's the way I see it. I think it's been interesting uh, when you saw the report kind of come out that obviously he kind of wants, not assurances of the Lantic, but he wants to see kind of the roadmap of what the next kind of few years of the club looks like. And when I've been thinking about that more, it, make, it makes a lot of sense, especially when you think that a lot of the contracts that we give out are incentive-based and they are loaded to kind of go beyond whatever the base salary the, the player is earning at the club. 
So obviously in seasons gone past, it will be a lot higher and you probably would have thought Mohamed Salah will be earning close to that 350 a week mark based on, you know, uh, honours and, you know, personal landmarks that he has achieved at the football club. But obviously you go for a season like last season where we don't win anything. It's a very down year for the football club in the grand scheme of things. And you would have thought those incentives would have been down and pay would have fluctuated. So I understand it from that point of view where he would want kind of the, the you know, the, the assurances that, you know, a season like last season never happens again. And Liverpool are kind of like, you know, like you, like you said earlier on, fighting for those honours consistently, winning stuff and being, you know, near, near, near the top uh, of Europe, not even the Premier League, year in, year out. So I think giving him a higher base wage completely makes sense. I mean, I, I'm all for kind of giving him, you know, 300, 350 a week, something around those marks, especially when you look at kind of, and, you know, and it is kind of, you know, cat and mouse to see what other players in the league are, uh, are on. But, you know, when you see Jack Grealish on 300 grand a week and Mohamed Salah's, you know, having to kind of barter his way up to that mark, you have to just sit there and kind of think for yourself, okay, having 300 wouldn't cripple the club by any stretch of the imagination. The variance when you kind of look at it versus 400 guaranteed per week is much, much smaller. And then you put the intensive stuff back on top as well there too. So I, for me, I think something will, will will get done, but I think it is a little bit of pride from both parties just coming together and thinking, look, how do we get something that works for everybody involved? Because Liverpool want Mohamed Salah and Mohamed Salah wants Liverpool. I think, I think Liverpool in their negotiation bid should pride themselves on the intangibles. By all means, by all means, offer him how much um, they how much they think um, they, they can afford. And I'm thinking between 300 to 350, right? But if you think about yourself, just yourself in like in a job, and you and say you're really happy in this job and you're being paid X amount, um, you don't need to think, okay, do I want to leave? Do I want to potentially leave and be paid more elsewhere, but potentially be unhappy and not be, and not be progressing the same way I would have been um, if I stayed at my other, my other job? You need, to, you need to really hone in on those factors. He absolutely loves life in Liverpool. The fans adore him, sing his songs every single week. He's prolific for this club. He could go down as a legend for this club. Those are the intangibles I'm thinking of. You could, um, and of course we have we have the incentives of bonuses, but I'm sure I'm sure other teams could can match that. However, could could he go on to improve his legacy elsewhere? That's the risk he has to take. Is it worth is it worth risking 50 to 75k? extra a week to do that. That's where we need to give it to him to decide. I think that's how Liverpool should portray, as Liverpool should set out their argument. And if you put it that way, and of, of course, oh, sorry, and also promise the um, the progression plan of us looking, like bringing in players like Diaz, obviously being linked to um, the young the young Fulham young Fulham fellow. Um, obviously, we're looking to sign um, the young boy from Celtic. I'm, I'm not saying these are like incredible names, but I'm saying we've got plans in place for in order for us to get better. I mean, there's links, talking about links in um, midfield to Shemeni, Bellingham, these kind of players coming in to make our team better over the course of years. And obviously he would still be the main man. Like, this is what I mean. Like, these are the things that don't necessarily affect his pay, but they may affect his satisfaction, his happiness levels, his progression, his legacy, the, his, his name in, in the world of football that may not be guaranteed if he goes to like a PSG or something. No, I I completely agree. The, you know the, the the memories and you know the legacy that you do create at one institution kind of kind of does show through. 
I also will say that I'm a bit of a nasty guy and sometimes I use job offers to kind of say to the place I'm already at, ah, you know, this place, they're offering it me sweet, man. Four (laughs) working from whole days as opposed to two. I mean, I just think the, the point about intangibles is such an important one because, like, I always remember Torres giving it. I think I, I said, I don't know if anyone's watched his Amazon documentary where he goes, he obviously leaves Liverpool and he goes to Chelsea, and, and they're asking him, I think, like, are you happy with what you achieved in your career? And, like, he was saying that sometimes there are some things that are just more important than winning trophies, and it's about feeling loved and feeling adored. That that feeling, there's no you don't get a trophy for that, of course, but like that feeling that it gives you as a footballer to be loved and adored. And on top of that, most Salah will win trophies at Liverpool. If he stays at Liverpool, he will win trophies. So yeah, most intangible is really, really important. And I think another important point to make is about the alternatives. There aren't many other clubs that are in the position. I think City obviously are in a fantastic position themselves, but would he want to go to like a rival club? I'm not entirely sure. Would they even want him? I'm not entirely sure. PSG, I mean... We've seen the best player of all time go over there and be whistled and booed by the fans. We've seen Jim and his his former teammate, go over there and struggle. We've seen Neymar go over there and, and, and not have a, a very good time. So for, for, for Mo Salah, it's in his best interest to stay at Liverpool because we are the best club in the world. The fans absolutely adore him. And the alternatives don't look that rosy. I don't think it I don't think Mo Salah wants to compete in this in the in French League week in, week out. I think Mo Salah wants to test himself against you know, the teams that we have in the Premier League and I don't think Spain's that appealing to him now I don't think those teams at the moment can afford most Salah either so yeah you just look at it and you just think that hopefully something does get done because it does feel like it suits all parties if this does get done Masala can spend his early first season I think for, for forwards now by the way those are kind of peak years we've seen Benzema yeah. we've seen Ronaldo yeah. Ronaldo from first season to first season 4-35 I think was, was, was phenomenal <clears throat> Cristiano Ronaldo was scoring so many goals at that age we saw Messi and Barcelona kind of carried him on his back um, during those years so he is he's going to be in his peak years if he signs his contract to the club so I honestly hope it does get done I feel a bit more like I'm, I'm generally an optimist when it comes to Liverpool but I do feel a bit more pessimistic about this one just because the longer it drags on, obviously, the more difficult it gets. Um, and mm. it's obviously not ideal. So hopefully it gets done. And I guess there's the, something that we've all kind of ignored, like it's partly because of the profile of the player. There are other players that have contracts that need to be sorted out. And I, and I wonder if they're keeping an eye on what happens to Mo Salah. I'm thinking about Mane in particular. Um, mm. Firmino, who I think is one will leave in the summer. But I wonder if they're kind of keeping an eye on what happens to Mo Salah and thinking how that might affect their contracts. So, yeah, I think it is an interesting time. I think the club is at a point where like I said, this is the last hurrah for a lot of these players. I think there are a lot of players that we treasure and value so much that will move on in the summer, I think. Or not not many, maybe a few of them will move on in the summer. Um, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting period for us. And hopefully the salad door does get done because I think it would be beneficial for all of us. I also think um, what's not taken into consideration is probably the length of the contract. Um, Liverpool don't really want to give someone over 30 a particularly long contract contract. Um, I know Ronaldo wanted, um, I think he wanted an extra three years, if I'm being mistaken. I'm not too yeah. sure. I think he, he did, yeah, he wanted an extra three years, yeah. So I'm probably Salah's probably asked for like four, four or five years, or four years. He's probably asked for like four years or something. And Liverpool looking at, mm, can't really, <laughs> that's a bit peak, you know, if I'm going to give you a lot of money over four years, it's it's a tight one and it's a bit sticky. So I, I've, me personally, I don't see all the all the numbers that's coming out. I'm not really looking at that. I, I think it's the length of the contract. And if he's talking about what, what the club's going to do in the future, he sees himself because 
he's played a blinder because he's come out and said that he wants to be here for the rest of his career. He loves the club. He's, do, do you know what I'm saying? He's done all the, all of all of that. So I'm thinking he's he's looking at the 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 amount of time on the contract and what Liverpool are looking to do. I think they want to give him three years on that, but he's probably wants an extra year. Having looked at probably what Henderson got, do you know what I'm saying? Um, I think we need someone who, who's proper like, oh yeah, give him, give him what he wants, give him because I'm saying I'm the same. Like I think 350 is personally decent for him. 350, anything more than that would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't think Liverpool, Liverpool are very cold blooded. Um, I know Lewis. Um, I was gonna say Lewis. Shout out, Zan, come back. <laughs> Chris, ignore that. Chris, hey, focus, focus, Chris. Nah, focus. I'm gonna have to address this at some point. In it look, I felt like I felt, but, um, I, I felt like Ross when he was talking about Burban. In it came to the realization that your watch is fake. Dang, <laughs> you really broke my heart. I really thought you owned them cars. Nah, man. Um, yeah, the stats yeah. in the Bundesliga uh, tax hit me too hard. So, yeah, I'm, you know unlike Anik, I'm willing to admit this on an audio format. So, I respect that. I respect, but um, I know Chris, you you follow American sports, and and the Red Sox had a top top player. Um, I forgot his name. It was one of the Ricky top Benz. players he went him, and they didn't offer him. They didn't offer him a new contract. And they let him go, and it was a bit mad. So I say that to say that FSG are pretty cold-blooded, and they will allow Salah to leave, and a lot of people will cry tears. But it's a thing whereby we cannot break what we're doing because of that, and it will mess us up, and we have a strict tight ship. So it is one where there's got to be a compromise. I'm not sure, Ellis, you know, because I just feel like we're going to need to change it regardless, because... Trent, for instance, the man is 23. Mm. He is only gonna get better and better and better. By the time he's what? He's not even it's not even his peak. By the time mm. he's what 27, 28, how much should he he should be demanding close to 300 k Imagine he, he keeps he keeps this he keeps this uh he keeps this trajectory that he's on. He should be demanding that type of money. Virgil van Dyke, Allison, Fabinho. These are people that we say are are, are the best in their positions in the world, right? These are people yeah. that we say are the, the best. We're going to need to change things up a bit because I know it's not how FSG have worked in the past, but Liverpool have never been this good, bro. Like, we're yeah, too true. good. We that need to reflect how the quality that we have to an extent. And I think that's what they're, that's the main thing they're pondering. It's not the Salah in and of himself in a vacuum. They could, they could pay him the 400K and that'd be cool, but it's everything that comes with it. Right, I think that is the main issue, but I do think we need to pay him an amount which is above what we may have envisaged us paying him. Obviously, when we signed him, but also look at the fact that we're going to have to fork out a bit of money for these other guys who are also fantastic in their positions. Also, I, I think, think that's a fair probably... point, but it, it does it, for me. Sorry, sorry, I'll just a quick point. Yeah, it, it has to be an incremental shift upwards. It can't be the off of Mo Salah. Fast. Yeah, a, a salary that completely demolishes your waste structure to the point where you're having players kind of like really upset because you know most has been paid. How much do you think, more. right? For me, I, to, to, so I think Van Dyke's are, are, are like kind of best paid player at the moment, right? Two hundred twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, yeah. most two hundred fifty to three hundred seventy five k should do the true to the trick for me. Like, 
Yeah, I agree. That's a lot yeah. of money. I think. I, it, I think is. It is. It's, it's, it's. That's a lot of money. I, I honestly think that should that should do the trick. So I think well, anything more than that. Three fifty is the Kevin De Bruyne salary, isn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's fine. I think yeah, that's, that's fine. Good. By the I way, he's three hundred k. That is bonkers. By the way, his agent. <laughs> it's, 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 it's I didn't even think about it. In it, when like you look at the sums of money we're talking about, like yeah, something like three hundred fifty k a week, and it's like no but, the, no, but the thing is though, Chris, we need to get out of that habit because when we do that, then 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 we start not tell me up. Then we start saying that Mosala should play for free. So we need to mm, not yeah, do that's, that. That's bonkers, by the way, because <laughs> we're not. Because we need to think. City, I mean, City, it's not, it's the, the comparison with City players is just, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. They don't make sense. They have about yeah, five, yeah. five million players who are on 300k plus. Yes, it's, it's City don't really make any sense. Um, yeah. but what I will say, just about off, just about the money itself, football is a football is a self funding sport, like, mm. no one, like, it's, it's just, it's. Us, it's us, us supporters contributing our funds and tickets and, and merchandise, that's all, and then obviously sponsors, etc. Listen, you can't get angry at these men earning their peas. Like, listen, this yep. is how much people want. This is how much people want to pay them. Calm. You you're only getting paid X amount, bro. That's how much your company wants to pay you, my G. Leave. Do you get it? I'm sorry, bro. Change professions. This is this is just it. This is just it. Um, but yeah, I I Mike, I agree with you. Three fifty, three seven five is blessed. I even think three seven five is too much. 350 would be like, okay, cool, calm. Yeah, 350 really, really is the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Keep, keep, keep in the field of American sports. I think you can even say, look, three-year deal with the option to extend for, for an extra mm, year. Lovely. Lovely. Three-year deal, 350K. Yep, I'm, I'm all for that. Also, give him free... Maybe <laughs> even what you say is, you say 350 plus bonuses. You get you get to get 30 goals will give you a little something, you know. Yeah, you know, get get get, you, get, yeah, a, go get ahead a commercial and... partnership with you know a luxury car brand, you know. We could we could we could more something you know what I'm saying? Might be like, talk to your people. We get signed though. We got all that standard chartered and them man there. We got you. Uh, man, we... Yeah? <laughs> Offshore banking and that, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, but by no means am I insinuating that uh, Standard Chartered do anything in terms of. Um, <laughs> uh, it's funny. You clarifying made you sound guilty. That's what's hilarious. You didn't even need to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have like Standard Chartered and Goodman coming in the house, didn't it? What did you say about Standard Chartered? You shut your mouth when you talk about Standard Chartered. Oh, I won't say anything, man. Okay. Whoa. How'd you get in? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect to end this part on um, before we do though the final word I'm going to let the big man himself Big H the final word for this week's pod take it away brother oh boy no pressure Um, listen what I'm going to say is look we're in a full fully fledged title run strap up Get on board. No pause whatsoever. Enjoy the ride. There's going to be some ups and downs. The twists and turns are yet to be fully done. Get with it. Get ready to get stressed. You may end up bold like me, but it's going to it's going to end up in a Premier League trophy. That is for sure. Get involved. Join the Patreon. Chat to us on Twitter and Instagram if you're not already. Love and peace. And up the res. F you Arsenal. You're going down, blood. You get it. It's on. Uh, oh, 
Oh, I'm so, uh, I'm I'm pumped now, man. H just H just took us home. He's landed the plane safely. And if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, he's gonna come round your house like those standard chartered fellas. You're gonna be wondering how he got in. Um, so do subscribe to the Patreon. Three pounds a month today. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be an interesting end to the season. The Reds are on red hot form. Can they keep it up against Arsenal? We think they can. Join us for the post-match pod to see how we do. But until then, we will see you next week with even more Cop and Fracas. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Network.